1: It's my Jesus. Jesus. It's your Jesus. Jesus.
0: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. The music you've just heard I need to give credit for both today and yesterday. It's from the First Baptist Church of Glen Arden, Maryland. They have a wonderful pastor and their music is so powerful. I love to listen to him sing. And this whole song of, I heard Jesus passing by. And I decided to give him a try. And I touched his garment, the hem of his garment. Do you need to touch the hem of Jesus' garment today? We're going to go right into the heart of this issue. I'm so glad you're listening today. I have a message that I think will be of great encouragement to your heart. Oh, it'll confront and bite it'll step on your toes maybe but it'll be a message of great encouragement let's pray Lord as I share this message today that you have given to me I pray for the mighty power of your Holy Spirit to move among those who have the courage to listen all the way through would you touch them Would you touch them as they reach out and touch you? Let their faith rise up. The faith that you've given them, Jesus. The faith of God. Thank you, Lord. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. There are found in the New Testament, in the book of Matthew, three astonishing parables. These parables were spoken by Jesus just two days before Passover. As he was going to be crucified, to die for you and for me. These parables were very important to Jesus. He's just in Matthew 24 spoken about the end of days and what will happen And then he launches into these three connected parables. And these parables are about how the kingdom of God actually works in reality. He's talking about how things function in the kingdom of God. And I wonder what is your purpose have you found your purpose in life you have a very limited amount of time and in this limited amount of time have you found a way to use that time well centered in what God has planned for the purpose of your life I want to talk about that purpose of our life today. I want to guide you in the scriptures in these three powerful parables to know beyond a doubt what your purpose is. Now the first parable I'll not spend much time with And the third parable, again, I'm not going to spend much time. We're going to need all the time we have on the second parable, the parable of the talents. But the first parable, Jesus speaks about what the kingdom of heaven will be like, and that will be the theme through all three parables. In this parable, there are ten virgins, Five of them are foolish and five of them are wise. Now what separates the wise and the foolish is the wise have made appropriate preparation. The foolish have not made that preparation. These three parables are all very concerned about you operating in a way that has a purpose, a wisdom. The bridegroom did not come when they expected him. He was late. A midnight cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. The virgins were all asleep, they all woke up, they trimmed their lamps, but the wise had extra oil to make up in case he was late. And I found that Jesus is almost always late by my standards and my expectations. He's never late by his divine rule and authority. He knows exactly what the timing needs to be. But usually for my timing, he's late. So the unwise went to make preparation. And by the time they'd gone and purchased the oil, they missed out. Now, I don't mean to be contentious. But I've read commentaries on all three of these parables. I've read books on them. And almost without fail, they all say the same thing, and it's not true. They say that you cannot miss your salvation because you were short on oil, or you can't, you can't miss out on your salvation because you hid your talent. They say what you actually lose are just some rewards once you get to the kingdom of God. Now, I know where they get that. They take that from some of the writings of the Apostle Paul that they have misunderstood. They have gone with the traditions of man, and they have denied holiness. They have denied that a man can walk without sin in this life. And it is a misinterpretation of the Apostle Paul And they use the Apostle Paul's writings then as misunderstood to interpret the writings of Jesus. Please, today, let us simply take Jesus at his word. For as I've said to you before, the writings of the Apostle Paul, the writings of the Apostle John and Peter, they must all be interpreted in light of what Jesus says. And if they contradict what Jesus says, then they have been misunderstood. For the Apostle Paul, John, or Peter would never disagree with their Lord and Savior. It just would not happen. So I want you to be very clear and very very clear about what jesus means at the end of the first parable they come and they knock on the door and they're late they say sir sir open the door for us but he replies i tell you the truth i don't know you therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour In other words, they were denied entrance into the kingdom of God. Now, let's be clear. Salvation only comes by being given the right to enter into the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God in Scripture, in the New Testament, has reference to two kingdoms. One, the kingdom now that is not fully realized, and the kingdom to come that will be on the other side when Jesus comes for his bride. He's saying, listen, if you don't make adequate preparation now for your entrance into the kingdom of God, the second and final and full expression of the kingdom of God, you will never be able to be saved. You will be lost. You will be shut out. Now let's look at the second parable. In Matthew 25, verse 14, the literal translation would be, and now, and now it will be like a man going on a journey. I think the sense that is given to it in the old NIV is probably the underlying meaning. The NIV translates it, again, again, it will be like a man. In other words, this is a continuation of Jesus telling us what the kingdom of God is like, what the kingdom of heaven is like. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work, and he gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought five more. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, "'Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness.' The man with two talents also came. "'Master,' he said, "'you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more.' His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come, share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed, so I was afraid. And I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here it "'Here it is. Here's what belongs to you.' "'And his master replied, "'You wicked, lazy servant. "'So you knew that I harvest where I had not sown "'and gather where I had not scattered seed. "'Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers "'so that when I returned I would have received it back with interest. "'Take the talent from him.' Give it to the one who has ten talents, for everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And literally in the Greek it is saying, throw the worthless servant outside into the furthest reaches of darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth now let's take a look a careful look at this parable and discover what our purpose is jesus was the man going on a journey to receive his kingdom He had to ascend after the crucifixion to the Father. Now, there is one interesting change that we would make as we listen to this parable. In the Gospel of John, just before his crucifixion, Jesus also said this, If you may ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you may love me, you must keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may remain with you forever, the Spirit of Truth, whom the world is not able to receive because it does not perceive him or know him, but you know him because he remains with you, and he will be in you, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. So we need to include the truth in this parable that as the king went off on the journey, he seemed to leave his servants with no recourse to reach him. But Jesus is saying, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. My Holy Spirit will be there. And you can ask me for help in the work that you're going to do, the purposeful work of your life. You can ask for direction, and I will not leave you as orphans because the helper is going to stay behind. In other words, you're going to have a representative in the court of the king who will help you with advice and counsel and direction as you go forth with that talent to accomplish the purpose for which you have been sent. That's a great joy to my heart. I read this parable in the early hours of this morning, and I immediately began to weep and confess and repent and say, Lord, I've not been a good steward. A steward simply means a a person who is entrusted with something to take care of it. I began to weep and say, Lord, I've not taken care of what you told me to take care of very well. I've made so many mistakes. Please forgive me. And immediately the Holy Spirit came to my heart and comforted me. And he said, don't weep. All of your sins have been forgiven. What have I told you to do? I said, Lord, you told me to wait upon you. And you told me that you would carry me. And you told me to rest in you. He said, yes. Yes that is what I've told you to do and you're doing it and as you wait upon me you're doing what I told you to do with the radio so you are being faithful continue and I began to rejoice and shout his praise but let's look at this There are some very key understandings that we need to have to one man, he gave five talents of money. Well, what is a talent? In the day of Jesus, a talent was the largest measure possible of a sum of money. A talent was between 75 and and 80 pounds of gold or silver. Now, one talent... Of silver in that day with the prices of that day would pay a day labor for 20 years of work if that labor worked six days a week 20 years of work you could hire a man with one talent to work for 20 years this was a lot of money it was more it was more than a millionaire He was given five talents, so he had more than $5 million to invest. Now, what could he do with that money? Well, let's talk very practically for a moment. He could have bought tin mines in Europe. That's what Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus both did, according to extra-biblical sources. They managed and ran tin mines in Europe. They could buy a whole fishing business. And they could hire men to work. They could run a catering service. They could run multiple businesses. The one with two talents, he was not poor. He was given more than $2 million in silver. 75 pounds is what a talent is to another man one talent well one talent is more than a million dollars in that day now there are some who say no it was probably a thousand to three thousand dollars i don't know what it is what i'm telling you is that regardless of how we measure what that talent of silver was worth It was in that day the largest measurement, and it was seventy five pounds of silver or gold. Now, in this case, he is giving them the money of the day, which would have been silver. Silver is the common man's money. I pray that you are saving silver. I've also been praying that some of you would contribute some of the silver coins that you've been collecting or bars or rounds to the work of this ministry that we could go to the FM side of the dial. I'm happy to tell you that, and I'll tell you more about it later, but we have been included on a a small regional FM band with this broadcast today, today's day number one. Let me get it for you. 96.7 on the FM band for this broadcast. You might try and see if you can get it there. It's it's primarily Woodbridge, Manassas, Burke. But try and see. Now, this man... Who received more than five million dollars? Five talents. He goes out and he invests that money. It is money. And part of what broke my heart is that I said, Lord, I have such a good education and I have. Talents, abilities, but I've not made any money. I've used every dime you've given me to help other people, to help the poor, to to help my family, to minister, to pay for the church, to pay for radio. I haven't made any money to give back to you. And as I studied and prayed, it became very clear to me that this talent is much more than money. And I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. But the man who got one talent, each one was given according to his ability. Now, every man cannot handle five talents or five million dollars. Every man cannot handle $2 million. So whatever the amount of money was, the the king knew them. He had history with them. And he gave to them based on their history with him of faithful service. And so the man who had received the five talents, he went out and immediately put that to work, that money to work. But now I'm saying to you, the talent is much more than money. God owns everything on the earth. And so I was given a life. I was given a life to spend for a limited amount of time. I'm on probation. And what I do with my life as I'm on probation, will determine my eternal destiny. That's what Jesus is saying. And I'll show you that again in just a minute so that you can be very clear and know. You can be very clear and know. The Holy Spirit has come to each of us who follow Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit has come and breathed into us. Of what value is that? Of unestimable value. He has given us abilities. He has given us understandings. He has taught us. Jesus had taught his disciples. He had made clear to them. But one of the disciples, by the name of Judas... Went and buried his talent. He turned against the king. He had accusations against the king. Now, as we look at this, there is a passage of Scripture that is terrifying. It's verse 19, Matthew 25, verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. In other words, your life does not belong to you. Your life belongs to Jesus Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians. Keep your finger right there in Matthew 25, but go to 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. I'm going to begin reading from verse 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And the context of this is, flee from sexual immorality and all other sins. Why? Because those sins, especially sexual immorality, invalidate you and block you from the service of the king. So, A day is coming when you will come before the throne of God and you will have to settle accounts with him. Now, what is this false gospel? It's no gospel at all that says, I'm saved by faith and that faith means that I am covered by grace. It means there will never be a day of settlement because that happened at the cross when jesus paid my account in full well yes he did make provision for your account but no he did not pay your account in full we are saved by faith and by faith alone but it's not our faith it's god's faith and and the day comes when we will be held accountable for what we did with God's faith. And we will be held accountable for what we have done with the Holy Spirit. We will be held accountable for what we did with all of the money that God gave us. Now, some of you have IRAs. You have other retirement plans and and you regularly, as one person said to me, Every month I put this sum of money in my IRA. And my company matches that. (laughs) Well, I have a bank account in heaven, and I'm making regular deposits in that bank account in heaven. It's my retirement plan. (laughs) You understand? give what I have for the work of the kingdom of Jesus Christ that includes giving to the poor giving to the church. bring you all the tithes into the storehouse my father regularly gave 50% of his income he gave it to missions 10% to the local church for the local church expenses. The rest of it he gave for missions and for radio broadcasts, Christian broadcasts. He gave to the quiet hour and he gave to the voice of prophecy. Those were my parents' favorite radio broadcasts. I had a They had a profound influence on my life. Now it meant that dad was storing up money in heaven by giving to the poor. A drunk man, the dead of winter out in the country. My dad saw him staggering up the road. Immediately, My dad said, we need to go rescue that man. And so we all put our coats on and we went out to him. And he was in bad shape. He would have frozen to death. My father said, please, sir, come with us. We have a warm place. You need warm food. He brought him into the house and the man had wet himself. He stunk. My dad sat him in a chair. He said, let's get those wet clothes off of you. And so he sent all of us out. He helped that man take off his wet pants. He put another pair of pants on him, dry. And then he brought him to the kitchen table. We didn't have a dining room. We had a kitchen table. It was the center of our life in that home. It was a small home, about 900 square feet for five of us. Well, he fed this man. Slowly, as we talked to him, Dad talked to him about Jesus. He fell asleep. Dad let him sleep when he woke up he was doing better he was profuse in his thanks and then dad said now let me drive you home do you know where your home is oh yes well let me take you home and dad put him in the car and drove him home we never saw from never saw him again never heard from him again it was the Lord's work it was an act of kindness and love that was part of dad's purpose in life to give a helping hand to any person who needed help but this man he was angry at the king He was angry maybe because he had not gotten five talents or two talents. Maybe he was angry because he only got $1 million. He thought he'd been cheated. He thought the king was a hard man. Now, please understand... We're talking about not just money. We're talking about your ability. We're talking about your time. We're talking about every aspect of your life belongs to the Lord God of Heaven. You did not create your life. You did not get probation to prove what was in your heart. Some of you have been proving the utter wickedness of your heart in your selfishness, in your tight-fistedness with precious men and women who need your help. I just got a text from a friend. It's interesting to me. This friend... I'm gonna I'm not gonna give you the the friend's name. But I'm gonna read some text to you, please. This friend was out with their daughter, picking up food, making her home into a storehouse. Just sent a package to Honduras to a pastor there who has a very poor congregation. Now, please, this woman that I'm describing is also a very poor person. But her heart is not with fear about her own life. It's about fear of God. And it's about what she can do to make a difference. And then this this person wrote to me, Pastor, I sent the box to Honduras yesterday, and today my brother gave me a check for $500 toward my rent. Oh, my God is so good. I love doing his work. This is a very kind-hearted person. who is using their time, their life energy, their money, to pour out for others, for the kingdom of heaven. Now, when Jesus comes, she may have spent all of her money, but it will have been invested in what the purpose of our lives is. Do you realize what the gospel commission is? All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus is with us. And our purpose in life is to reach out with love and compassion and mercy to those Jesus brings into our path. And as we reach out in mercy and kindness and love, our purpose is to teach them about Jesus Christ and to bring them into the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ that can only be done by love and mercy and compassion the spending of our time our our life energy spending all that we have for what is most precious to the Lord God of heaven and that is the souls of men and women now this third man comes he'd received one talent master I knew you were a hard man harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. Do you know what a lie that is? God is not a hard man. It's his attitude that is wrong. He is thinking about himself. He's not caring about others. He is accusing God of what he is guilty of. I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground, so here is what belongs to you. He was afraid. Why was he afraid? Because he was trying to protect his own life. He was trying to walk for his own advantage. And he knew that a day of accounting was coming, and he said, well, I better at least not try to take this money, because I know there's a day of accounting coming. Look, I'm just going to give this man back his money, and I'm going to go live my life and take care of my world and my family and my kids, and I'm going to do what I know I need to do. That's not a Christian. That's not the purpose of God. Now, part of the purpose of God is for us To minister to our families, a man who doesn't take care of his family is worse than an infidel. So a part of the purpose of God is for us to be stewards of our children and our wives and our husbands, to minister to them. Love begins in the home. Stewardship begins in the home. But some of you have gotten yourself into such a mess. All you do is work, 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 work. And you don't think Jesus will deliver you. I can tell you the Holy Spirit is here and he will deliver you from useless labor. He will deliver you from foolishness. He will deliver you from every mistake. He will deliver you and forgive you for every sin and you are saved by grace, by the mighty hand of God coming and working in your life, and you work for him, and your purpose is to serve Jesus Christ, for he is the one who will call you to a day of accounting to see what you have done with this precious limited amount of time that he has granted to you on this earth. And the word comes. Take the talent from him. Give it to the one who has ten talents. For every one who has will be given more. And he will have an abundance. Do you understand what I just said? If you refuse to give. You will lose money. Yes, that's right. If you refuse to pay your tithe, if you refuse to pay for the work of the gospel, your money will drain out of your pockets. It will drain out of the holes of your pockets, and even what you have, you will lose. The way to abundance is to live life well in the purpose of God, which is a salvation and ministry to the poor and the broken and the unsaved. And if you will pour your heart out for those precious people, God will give you more. But if you have a bad attitude and say, I can't give, this is all I have. I have to live on this. No, you don't. Some people believe that the pie is only so big, and if I take this piece and I pay my rent, I take this piece and I pay for the car, and I take this piece and I do that, and the pie's gone no jesus says that's not true he says if you'll give me 10% on the top first and you'll give me an offering in a distance in a, in addition to that i will multiply the size of your pie this has always been a fight in the church that i've had in the churches that i've served in people would say let's set a budget and then we have to stay in that and pastor you have to stay in that budget And I say, no, 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 wait a minute, what, stop, stop. We don't set a budget in this church that's in iron. Instead, we do what Jesus tells us to do, and he will enlarge our budget as we proceed through the year. I can guarantee you that if your church is not meeting its budget, and you are underwater, it's because you are not giving to the poor and the sick, and the unbeliever. You are feasting on yourself. You're paying your expensive mortgage. You're paying your expensive salaries. You are not doing what Jesus has called you to do, which is the purpose of the church, which is to save the lost and the dying. You will not find anywhere in the scriptures where it says the purpose of the church is to build a grand mausoleum. That's not the purpose of the church. I know churches who are, who are hoarding hundreds of thousands of dollars to build their grand new building, and they think then the people will come. No, they won't. Jesus won't bless you. You'd be much further ahead to, a, to have a cheaper building and a minister to the broken and the poor. Don't pay your senior pastor $110,000 and your poor youth pastor $40,000. I know a church that did that, and it ended in catastrophic loss. If you're going to have an employee, take care of that employee. Let the senior pastor take the 40000 and you pay the associate pastor, more than you pay the senior pastor. Oh, pastor, we can't do that. We'd never get a senior pastor. Well, you don't want a senior pastor that wouldn't do that. He's a hireling. Please hear what I'm saying to you today. This man had a bad attitude. He had accusations against the Lord. He was convinced he was right. And the result was he was thrown outside into the deepest darkness and he lost his place in the kingdom of God. And he wept and he ground his teeth and he was filled with rage at the king. Now I tell you, This parable is frightening. I got another text. I'll look at it very quickly. If I can find it quickly. This person writes during the broadcast, critical. If any scripture from the apostles seems to disagree with Jesus, then it is being misunderstood. John, Peter, and Paul would never disagree with their Lord. That's right. He's absolutely right. This is a dear brother who listens every day. Who is always lifting my heart up, encouraging me in this, in this work of the gospel? I want you to hear this today. Your purpose is the gospel commission. Now, how you carry that gospel commission out, Jesus gives wide leeway, as long as you follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. So some of you are going to work in offices. Some of you are going to work on computers out of your home. Some of you are going to be pastors and teachers. Some of you are going to be elders. Some of you are going to be helpers. It doesn't matter what Jesus calls you. He calls 10 talent people, five talent people, one talent people. It doesn't matter. What matters is he gives you adequate provision to fill the purpose for which he has called you, which is the gospel commission of Jesus Christ. And so I would ask you, have you helped anyone this week? Have you fed anyone this week? Have you have you given money to anyone this week? Have you given your tithe and your offerings to the church or to the ministry that you're fed by? Have you... Have you given to the work of Pilgrim's Progress? Many of you have been called to give, but you've resisted. Are you thinking out of a bad attitude today? Have you brought anyone to Jesus this week and caused them to say, yes, I receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I will trust in him. Have you ministered this week to the lost? If not, there is a day of accounting that is coming. Jesus is going to settle the account with you. You want to make certain that you have found a way in the Holy Spirit's direction to spend your limited amount of time and energy for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your kindness and your mercy. I thank you for this parable. Lord, I pray that you'll make it plain to our hearts. I pray that you'll quicken us by your spirit, almighty God. Instruct us. Don't leave us as orphans, but come in the fullness of Pentecost power. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you for listening. Would you subscribe to our YouTube video? We'd love to have you subscribe and be a part of what we're doing. I'd also love to hear from you. I've been going to the post office every day this week, and it's been slim. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or you can go online and you can give at nationalprayerchapel.com. Nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I love you with all my heart and I pray for you. I'll talk to you soon.
1: cheese.